0: 6.30 p.m. and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley.
1: And I'm Jim Dwyer. (coughs) As we, uh, somewhat loosely begin the program Yeah, as
0: we wing it, as they used to say. Well, I don't know if you've uh, had a chance to see the Gonzo movie. No, not yet. I really want to, though. I highly recommend this movie. Uh, First of all, if you like Hunter S. Thompson, it's very insightful into his, uh, persona, uh, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, and all that stuff. Uh, We won't uh, go into the ugly or the bad that much, but I think that it had a particular... First of all, the soundtrack is fantastic. (laughs) Oh, I bet. Yeah, if you you just uh, played the soundtrack at a weekend party, you'd have people dancing and uh, uh, reliving the 60s and 70s, because it's interesting how the election of Jimmy Carter sort of brought the end of Hunter S. Thompson. I mean, not totally, but led to his precipitous decline as he became more of a persona right, rather than a, quote, reporter. And it's very interesting political historical coverage about the politics of the late 60s and uh, mid-70s. And uh, it's quite clear that Hunter S. Thompson played a decisive role in in why and how the Democrats nominated both George McGovern in 1972 and uh, Jimmy Carter in 1976. So uh, I highly recommend this movie. It's uh, got a little bit of everything. Um, Johnny Depp actually narrates quite a bit of it. It's got some uh, heavy Hollywood people involved with it, but I think that the essence of Hunter S. Thompson... Uh, including his um his death is is uh, shooting the ashes monumental funeral uh, procession yeah, his, his, yeah shooting the ashes into the sky uh, is a very interesting indeed and uh the as i say the politics and the history of it i think is very relevant uh both uh for the time that it emphasizes Hunter s thompson's importance which is really about a 12-year period between the uh, mid-60s and the mid-70s. And uh, the relevance today, I mean, it's fascinating to hear the same rhetoric of John McCain mirroring Richard Nixon Mm -hmm. versus some of Obama's uh, rhetoric uh, mirroring George McGovern in 1972 as the Vietnam War continued to rage on. And, uh, you know, just this past week we've had A new report uh, showing that the uh, Iraq war operations have now exceeded uh, those of Vietnam. Um, This so-called recent history is uh, very recent indeed. And, you know, for what? Uh, You know, when you see a report, and this is just from the Associated Press, this was reported last weekend, that since 9-11 the United States has spent almost $860 billion in military operations in Afghanistan and Iraq and, quote, elsewhere whatever that means, uh, but uh, specifically $648 billion have been spent on Iraq war operations. Now, that doesn't include weapons procurement, um, VA costs, interest payments on the debt. We just had a report today that the uh, federal deficit um, for fiscal year 2009 is going to be $482 billion dollars. And that does not include $80 billion in, quote, war costs, unquote. (laughs) Uh, This is half a trillion dollars in one year. Uh, These are staggering numbers and uh, just continue to reinforce the catastrophe that the Bush administration has led this country. in. so, uh, Gonzo. Well, yeah, just a real couple of quick words
1: from me on uh, that. I've been telling everybody uh, that I know who's voting for the first time, and uh, pass this along, first-time voters, I strongly recommend reading Hunter Thompson's Fair and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72. Um, it's one of the best accounts that you'll ever get of what the nature of a campaign is. As you say, the history of that particular campaign has a strange resonance with our own times. And uh, th- this is, I think, some of his finest... Uh, Writing Uh, He he did become more of a personality After the uh, Carter administration uh, Took office Than an actual cutting edge reporter But I do still strongly recommend Another book of Hunter Thompson's called Kingdom of Fear uh, In which you'll get his account of the Riots at the uh, 68 uh, Democratic Convention in Chicago Mm -hmm. Um, And that's again One of the finest uh, Written accounts of that that I've read and uh, I think it's very stir- stunning, actually, to note that, uh, you know, when you, if you know something about Hunter S. Thompson, he's a rough, tough, he rode with the Hells Angels, mm-hmm. he was in the Armed Forces, uh, in the Air Force for a while, he rode motorcycles at breakneck speeds, the guy was something of a daredevil. Uh, one of the few times he ever wept was at the Chicago riots, and, and in his descriptions of that uh, to his wife when he got back.
0: Yeah, his wife actually recalls uh, the event, and it's interesting how they talked to ex-wives, as well as prominent politicians, uh, including George McGovern. And I think that one of the fascinating uh, revelations is that um, Hunter S. Thompson hated Muskie. He hated Humphrey. and was oh, a passion, he hated Humphrey. Yeah, and this contributed to the... <laughs> to the rise of McGovern a little bit to some extent and what it was really all about and uh, I think it can be still uh, stated today is that George McGovern was simply too honest of a politician to possibly be able to win and as the narrators and uh, Thompson note um, the small missteps by George McGovern were magnified by the media while they played short shrift to the criminal actions Indeed. of Richard Nixon, uh, both foreign and domestic. and uh, Plenty of examples in both. Uh, it's an absolutely wonderful movie. Uh, obviously, we don't want to endorse uh, some of uh, Hunter S. Thompson's personal habits. Interesting thing, he's associated with the uh, era,
1: certainly, and even to some extent the movement, as loosely unorganized as it may have been, the hippies. But Hunter Thompson
0: was never a hippie. Never a hippie, in fact. He was a freak. He shortened his hair when he ran for sheriff of uh, Aspen. Right. Um, And nearly won, of course. And nearly won. And, of course, the reason he shortened his hair is he wanted to call the other guy the (laughs) long-haired candidate. (laughs) Um so yeah I mean it's 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 an amusing movie but it's also very insightful and of course one of my favorite uh, anecdotes that's uh, revealed in the uh, you know Tom Wolfe is is interviewed and uh, various journalists and Jan uh, uh Vener of, of Rolling Stone uh-huh. A very important uh, publication, obviously, uh, for the history of the 60s and 70s. The of the youth culture as the a The youth culture and, and all of the drugs and all that stuff. But one of my favorites was George McGovern, uh, recounting the story of how he met uh, for dinner with Hunter S. Thompson. And Hunter S. Thompson sat down and uh, the waitress comes up and says, well, what would you like? He goes, uh, three margaritas and six beers. <laughs> and... <laughs> This is what he was going to (laughs) consume. And just imagining somebody going into a restaurant (laughs) and ordering three margaritas and six beers for yourself (laughs) is is hilarious in and of itself. Um, Because he was sort of like, well, what are you guys having? (laughs) And McGovern, of course, uh, recalls the story with a certain amount of... Respect for Hunter S. Thompson. You could tell that there was genuine affection, uh, that George McGovern had genuine affection for uh, Hunter S. Thompson. And, of course, Hunter S. Thompson was impressed by the uh, the platform of George McGovern in 1972, which, of course, uh, I don't think there's any question that George McGovern was the most liberal candidate ever put forward by one of the major uh, parties in terms of what he stood for. But it was fascinating that uh, McGovern advocated cutting the defense budget, that abortion should be legal, that there should be amnesty for all um, draft resistors and, quote, draft dodgers. And it was these sorts of very left-wing positions that, uh, of course, doomed his candidacy. And needless to say, he lost in uh, one of the biggest landslides in American history. You also get I think, really, a really good perspective on the, the Eagleton disaster huh. for McGovern, which obviously he was sort of uh And, and you know, one of the amusing uh, interviewees in the movie, by the way, is Pat Buchanan. <laughs> so, uh, got a little bit of everything, including some uh, very interesting visual filmmaking uh, in honor of the spirit of Hunter oh, S. Thompson. Yeah. Um. Speaking of Eagleton, of
1: course, uh, McCain's toying with the idea of making an announcement, just perhaps in a feeble attempt to get a little media attention in a week where Obama's summer vacation trip uh, took most of the media limelight away from McCain. Bizarre item, just not much to say about uh, that trip, but just a bizarre item about uh, Obama's prayer note having been Retracted from the Wailing Wall, <laughs> as mm-hmm. uh, apparently a uh, Jewish divinity student, seminary student uh, took it, and an Israeli newspaper printed it. Uh, nicely neutral prayer, <laughs> if indeed it uh, it can be linked to the hand of uh, Barack Obama. But uh,
0: just a strange little episode there. But and speaking of strange episodes, what a what a wonderful picture of George Bush.
1: On Friday, (laughs) appearing in... Holding a crying baby at arm's length. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Peoria. Warmth and... Yeah, you can just tell that that young baby knows that (laughs) he's looking at a monster.
1: (laughs) This is uh, really one of those sorts of photos that could become uh, very popular on T-shirts and uh, should hopefully see some reprinting here. What what date was this? uh? Oh,
0: this was Friday. Okay. Um, it, the, the, the the highlight or this headline of the article is sidelined as a campaigner in chief, Bush lends a hand to political unknowns, which, of course, is a reflection of the fact that McCain is doing everything he can to distance himself from President Bush, <laughs> much as this baby is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> much as the our, baby is,
1: <laughs> you know, and again, it's one of those photos that the presidents like to say, well, let's let history be the judge of how I've my administration has fared. Um, This is a photo that I think anticipates that process. (laughs) where the baby already in tears?
0: Yeah. uh, So, Mr. Bush, don't handle any more babies, please. And as for the content of the article, it's fascinating that um, this is uh, what George Bush is is, is, uh, left doing as a leader of his party. Uh, Cheryl Gay Stolberg reports that the Friday 500-plate dinner... And four thousand or five thousand dollar a photograph reception at a bucolic horse and cattle farm here was oh my. close to the press. But Mr. Shock, who's the candidate, hopes to fill the seat created by the retirement of Republican uh, Illinois Republican Ray LaHood. Um, and interestingly, she notes that the Republicans don't need to worry too much about this district because it's been in Republican hands since 1917. (laughs) So when Mr. Bush is making campaign appearances for seats like that, you get an idea of where he sits politically at this stage in history. And as we predicted last week, we would hear nothing but talking points all week about the success of the surge
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, that's becoming a remarkable story. Um, McCain had his vicious line that he would rather uh, win a war than what was it? He would oh he would rather yeah he would rather not uh, lose a uh, a war than win a political campaign, which apparently was sort of a knock at Obama and the idea that people that are opposed to the war uh, in Iraq are somehow opposed only for political reasons. Um, This, of course, is pure nonsense. Uh, Many of the opponents of the war in Iraq, and I continue to oppose the war in Afghanistan, and, of course, it's uh, not surprising that Barack Obama would call for a troop surge in Afghanistan, but uh, I think that both of these wars are... Unwinnable, uh, to uh, use the phrase from Vietnam. Um, at any cost. At any cost. And uh, the longer we stay, um, well, th- the more money we'll spend and the more death we'll be responsible for at some level. Uh, it seems like weekly there are continuing stories about quote-unquote mistakes by the military in some bombing operation. Well, even the electrocutions? yeah.
1: Uh, equipment that's improperly used, uh, ill-informed attempts to uh, perhaps even repair uh, electrical
0: circuitry, causing fatalities. And, of course, you know, over the weekend, and while this is anecdotal, uh, it's it's always alarming when you see uh, continued violence in India attributable to Muslim extremists. Uh, there were dozens of bombings over the weekend. Uh, there was a major... Coordinated attack in Turkey, um, right? And that two was days a, ago. a
1: strange one because it was a double timed. There was a yeah. second bomb that went off ten minutes after. And uh, this is uh, disturbing because, of course, there's another matter going on in Turkey as uh, one of the largest uh, and very popular political parties is on the edge of finding itself constitutionally invalid, um, as the entire matter of uh, what does a secular Turkey mean uh renders to uh, threatens to uh, render the country apart
0: and of course needless to say there were several attacks in Iraq, uh, the worst day of violence in a month and while this is all sort of you know sh- shall we say stock market bad news over one week um, that may not uh, um, indicate a trend it it just continues to reinforce that the um, the entire region is is uh, incredibly volatile, and the notion that the surge is "quote" working in the region uh, just is not supported by any facts whatsoever.
1: Well, in fact, you could look at it this way and say that you know reports of surge success, even if they were true, which is of course highly arguable. But even if these reports of surge success. Were true, uh, the, the constant reiteration of them seems to really be serving as a sort of a ex post fasto legitimization of yeah. the pointlessness of the endeavor in Iraq. Uh, well, it wasn't a bad idea. It wasn't a good idea, but at least the surge is working and it's under control. But as you say, look at the ripples of instability that are spreading not just through Pakistan, but into India and uh, into backwards into Turkey. So. Uh,
0: yeah, the entire region has been deeply damaged. Deeply damaged. And let's look at some of the data um, that would indicate—and I mean, this is not about Iraq. Obviously, there have been some improvements uh, in Iraq. But as we've noted before, the surge in and of itself as a concept is a myth. Uh, the United States did add more troops uh, into Iraq— um, Late in 2006, this was publicly announced, and the troops came in in January of 2007. But as we've noted, the actual numbers of coalition forces in Iraq has been the same all along. These American troops merely replaced withdrawing coalition forces from places like Italy, Poland, uh, Britain. And uh, they know that Iraq is a loser. Just for some data... Um, This is a a very interesting article by Ahmad Rashid uh, in the June 12th edition of the New York Review of Books uh, in which he analyzes the the whole concept of suicide bombers and the problems with uh, suicide bombings and, you know, how difficult it is to... uh, Withstand them, um, but just just for some numbers. For instance, um, he writes there were hardly any bombings in Afghanistan until 2004, when a, the resurgent Taliban mounted six suicide attacks against U.S. and Afghan forces. Then there was an explosion of suicide attacks in the country: 21 in 2005, 136 in 2006, 137 in two thousand Seven. He then goes into the casualty numbers. Uh, in 2006, there were over a 1,000 casualties from suicide bombings, but in 2007, the number rose to 1,730. Wow. So the bombs are getting more powerful. And uh, as he notes, and as Jean Le Carre uh, noted in opposition to Bush's Elaborate war on terror that he pronounced back in 2001, uh, cautioning uh, Tony Blair at the time to stay out of this uh, quagmire that the United States was getting itself in. Um, he he notes that the this that's the that suicide bombings are a a uh, it's political theater. It's not. Um, you know, it's it's the type of of resistance um, that these people have at their disposal. It's not the sort of tactic that you can win anything with. No, it's militarily. not militarily. It's not a win in any sense of the word. It's designed to create instability and political theater. Uh, Amid Rashad in this in this uh, article, just to focus on Pakistan for a second. In Pakistan, suicide attacks rose from just six in 2006 to 56 in 2007, in which 419 members of the security forces and 217 civilians were killed, including a lieutenant colonel. In the first four months of this year, 2008, there have already been 19 suicide attacks in Pakistan, killing 274 officials and injuring hundreds more. And, of course, we've repeatedly emphasized that Pakistan is the key front in the the ongoing, quote, war on terror, and that America uh, simply has the troops in the wrong country. And, of course— Pakistan,
1: it's too. There's a recent U.S. Congressional report that has criticized Pakistan. I'm reading here from uh, Farhan Bakari's article uh, in the Financial Times of, of their weekend edition. Uh, U.S. Congressional report criticized Pakistan for using the bulk of the $5.5 billion in U.S. counterinsurgency aid provided since 2001 towards strengthening the army as it's been traditionally arranged for a conflict with India rather than pursuing these Northwestern provinces, this untamed territory, this nebulous region. Look at a map, and you'll see this border between Pakistan and uh, Afghanistan. This is where it's happening.
0: Yeah, and of course the border, as we've noted in the past, is an artificial line created by the British Empire. And the random happenstance
1: of fiction and the undesirability of the basic geography of Afghanistan.
0: (laughs) The Curzon Line, and undoubtedly... Uh, Queen Victoria consulted Lord Kitchener for some expertise on designing the line. Uh, Just to emphasize, once again, Ahmed Rashid's article regarding the strategy, because I think this is uh, the essence of it all, he writes, However, the tactics of suicide bombings cannot win wars, topple regimes, or influence the deep beliefs of local people, nor can the bombers drive out the U.S. and NATO forces from Afghanistan or the Allied forces from Iraq. What they do achieve is to create among an already bewildered populace a sense of panic, uncertainty, and fear so pervasive that the battle by state authorities and the Western forces to win them over is more and more futile. Suicide bombing does not lead to any victory for the insurgents, but creates a political limbo bordering on anarchy in which government forces cannot win and Reconstruction cannot place. The war lasts as long as the terrorists don't run out of uh, suicide bombers. Now, if the United States was completely out of Iraq, and of course it's dismaying to hear that even the candidate that wants to withdraw is talking about 16 months. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, which uh, coincidentally would correspond to midterm elections in 2010. Um, You know, there's something a little lethargic about the withdrawal here. Um, I realize that that, uh, Barack Obama is running for president, and he has to be cautious and blah, blah, blah. But uh, this strikes me as a little bit too cautious. And it's remarkable that even McCain now apparently has agreed that the timetable that Obama is calling on, um, quote, I think it's a pretty good timetable, uh, Mr. McCain said Friday in the Situation Room on CNN, (laughs) before adding that it should be based on, quote, conditions on the ground, article by Michael Cooper in uh, Saturday's New York Times. So, uh, yeah, this is very problematic, but I would suggest that if the United States was completely out of Iraq and the suicide bombings continued, uh, that the United States could no longer be um, construed as responsible for them, and that it would be they might disappear altogether. Uh, We don't know. One of the great ironies is, of course, that the U.S. consistently
1: blames uh, the militias and the support for the militias and the suicide bombs and the improvised devices on outside forces, when it itself is the biggest outside force in Iraq. And you remove that irritant, and yeah, then it's a different matter, uh, than the nature of the suicide bombings that would continue in the wake of uh, a U.S. withdrawal.
0: And the other interesting thing about this uh, Ahmad Rashida article is that he notes there were virtually no... Suicide bombings in either Iraq or Afghanistan until the United States showed up. That this was a phenomenon that was fairly isolated um, to the uh, Sri Lankan mm-hmm. uh, conflict and, of course, the Indian, um, the problems in India uh, that are connected with the uh, religious sects and. The violence that's uh, been ongoing uh, over the many years between the Sikhs and the Hindus and the Muslims, etc. So it's a, yeah, it's a very um, disturbing trend, and that uh, the United States, ha- you know, and this is this is documented in other uh, data. Uh, more and more Americans realize that the war in Iraq has not reduced um, terror. Quote unquote, and that it has not increased our safety. No matter what these
1: so called message force multipliers might be telling you. Yeah. Well, last week, just uh, as the program began, you came in with uh, what was then breaking news about the uh, arrest of Radovan Kerovich Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, many uh, interesting and singularly bizarre details about his whereabouts have emerged. Uh, I suppose it's no longer going to be possible to find recommendations on uh, medicinal shelves from Doctor Dragon Drabic, <laughs> herbal healer. Yes, uh, who in fact had spoken publicly just before, shortly before his arrest, on uh, how to find your inner energy, and then I suppose once you find and harness this inner energy, how to ethnically cleanse and mass slaughter an entire group of people. Um, very
0: strange very strange it's almost too bad that he didn't become more like the fictional joseph mengela in the boys from brazil <laughs> a movie starring gregory peck in which he m- continued to operate as a mad um, a madman so to speak but apparently he had turned and uh, the softer side of him had, had emerged and he uh, allegedly uh, took children down to the local ice cream uh <laughs> Store on occasion, and was uh, sort of a Santa Claus kind of figure. The, 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 his whole disguise is fascinating in and of
1: itself. The the amount of support for him that's emerged in Serbia too is, I suppose, startling to the West. But if you know you consider the you know weirdness of fortune that it has appeared from a Serbian perspective, the entire international justice uh, proceedings. To, be, uh, to have something of an anti-SERB bias, but mm-hmm. that's largely just because uh, the Bosnian Izabegovic died and the Croatian also died. And, of course, uh, Slobodan Milosevic died before he could be sentenced and executed. But uh, it's, uh, it's an ugly business what happened in uh, the former Yugoslavia in the 90s. And, of course, the concept of international justice itself has been badly damaged by not just this most recent uh, weirdness of American foreign policy, but uh, international justice is a very important concept, and it it will be interesting to see how
0: this uh, new trial uh, will unfold at The Hague. Indeed, and um, The Hague, unfortunately, has been used for dubious purposes uh, of a political nature. Obviously, you have to treat war crimes objectively or they have no meaning after a while and there are certainly some problems with it the way... Makes you wonder
1: if uh, Henry Kissinger is getting a few ideas looking at uh, Radova and going, hmm,
0: Yeah. how can I find wonder my I inner can, energy and <laughs> wonder if I can grow a beard that robust <laughs> to remain anonymous and perhaps I can be the friendly Santa Claus f- figure that takes children down the block for ice cream cones with the bizarre black topknot. That's... <laughs> Yeah, that was one of those weird things about, <laughs> What's his, that supposed about to be? his hair. Um, uh, and then, of course, there's the always the interesting uh, example of one of our allies um, realizing that the United States has, uh, to paraphrase Dick Cheney, gone to the dark side. I, didn't some idiot make a comment that the new Batman movie is about George Bush?
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw the film over the weekend. I, that's a stretch. I... Have to, that's a tortured interpretation.
0: Yeah, well, I think the theory the expression. I think the theory is is that the Batman, and I haven't seen it yet, but uh allows Batman to, the Joker allows the Batman to survive so he can continue to play more tricks on him and torture him and all that. And one does sort of see a Bin Laden Bush oh. dynamic there of some sort. But the Reuters recently reported that uh, Great Britain should no longer rely on assurances by the United States that it does not torture terrorism suspects, an influential parliamentary committee said in a report released Sunday. This is dated the 21st of July of uh, this year. Britain had previously taken those assurances at face value, but after the CIA acknowledged using waterboarding techniques on three detainees... Britain should change its stance, according to the report by the Foreign Affairs Committee of the House of Commons. That's remarkable, but not surprising. Right. And, of course, it's uh, emerging from new um, this new book by Jane Meyer that I'm going to try and read shortly, that uh, the torture uh, policy... Was just simply written up by Gonzo, I'm, and I don't mean that's <laughs> ironically. We began by talking about Gonzo Hunter
1: Thompson. Yeah, but this
0: is uh, he
1: was for. Don't the call me Fredo, Fredo. <laughs> right. uh,
0: Albert Alberto, Alberto Gonzalez, and this shadowy figure named David Addington, who uh, functions as a sort of a you know a, a ba- you know a dark force behind Dick Cheney, uh, his uh, chief of legal advice and whatnot, and that these characters developed an entire. Um, an entire uh, new theory of constitutional law uh, regarding um, executive power and whatnot, and that they have this unbelievably distorted historical viewpoint. Carl well, Rove believes he enjoys executive privilege. Yeah, he has been resisting all sorts of investigations.